Let's open with a word of prayer, and then we're going to get into this text we have today that's dealing with the issue of sin. So it's, it's a delicate area we're going to have to work on today, so you're going to have to bear with me, all right? Father, thank you for this chance we have today to remind ourselves of the purpose of Christmas. We often tend to see it as such a celebratory, exciting time, when the reality is it was a time in which you invaded this earth to take on the dominance of sin. To deal with that problem and that struggle in life. And we thank you for that. And we ask that today as we look into this area, you'll help us to understand it and to yield to your Holy Spirit's direction and will this day as we approach the celebratory time of of Christmas. Lead us through this time together, Lord. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, when we talk about Christmas and what it is and how it all comes into play, I think we need to understand that Christmas is about God coming to this earth and dealing with the problem and the presence, the penalty, the power of sin itself. That he recognized the dilemma that we found ourselves in. And he came up with a clear directive that he was going to follow to set us free. So the beginning verse dealing with the issue of Christmas says to us out of Matthew chapter 1 verse 21. Speaks to us clearly And says, she shall give birth to a son and you will call his name Savior or Jesus. Jehovah saves and he will, double meaning, save us from our sins. You see, that's the intention that God had in relationship to Christmas. It was God invading our earth. To deal with the problem, the penalty, the difficulty, the struggle, the pain of sin itself that was destroying all of his people. Now, he doesn't destroy sin, but he does deal with it. He comes down to deal with the issue of sin. Let's watch this clip that kind of walks through the whole thing and perhaps help us to get a handle on it. Christmas is about the gift of God that is provided to each of us so that we can begin to respond to the problem of sin in our lives. You see, sin is both pervasive and persuasive. And I'll get into that in a few minutes. But sin becomes something that is so incapacitating us that we find ourselves unable to love and to care and to respond in the way that we desperately want to. To the place where Paul talks about it as, I do the very thing that I don't want to do. I, I don't understand it. I can't get this. Why is this element interfering or literally taking away the power in my life? And that's what Jesus comes down as a baby born in a stable 
that's what he was trying to deal with. This issue of sins. And he uses that plural term sins there to talk to us. Um, Armatia, it's, it's a picture or the idea of, of all failure, of all struggle and difficulty uh, that even leads to death itself. It's, it's, a, it's a term that is uh, hard to grasp because it's so broad. But it's dealing with all of life and how each of us respond to life as well. So he uses the term sins. Missing the mark is the way it's most uh, reasonably explained. Missing the mark, armatia. So we're unable to get to the spot that we desperately want to be at. It's the gift that we want to give, but we can't seem to find it. Or if we find it, we're unable to pay for it. You get in the picture? That's the Christmas picture or concept or idea. So Christmas is about the provision of a gift that God gives that deals with our needs that nobody else is able to give us. Only God can provide this wondrous, amazing gift. And that's what's so special about Christmas, that this woman will be born and she shall bring forth a son who will be a savior who will save us from our sins. And that picture of sozo or saving is, is also pervasive and persuasive in its nature that God will enable us through this saving power to become what it is that we so much desire to become. And that's, that's the cry of this scripture that goes on and on as we walk through Matthew and, and Luke and try to get a handle on these concepts and ideas that we refer to as, as Christmas. So the big deal about Christmas, it appears to me, is that God comes down to deal with this issue of sins, this pervasive area, and he deals with at least three areas. There are only three that I'm going to talk about today, or we could be here all day long, okay, and all night, and a couple days further. We could keep on going, and you all don't want to do that. Either do I. Okay, so first of all, he comes as the one to deal with the presence of sin. So that's the first aspect of sin I want to talk about today, the presence of sin. And he's the one who will deal with the presence of sin. Or you could term, he's the light who deals with the darkness of sin. If you like that better, if that's clear, that's what it's talking about. Uh, secondly, uh, he comes as the man okay, or the woman okay, to deal with the power of sin. He comes as the person who will deal, the only one who can, with the power of sin. And then lastly, he becomes the sacrifice. So in the midst of all this, oddly, weirdly, are you kidding me? He becomes the sacrifice to pay the penalty of sin. And it seems so odd, and that's why Satan was so stumped by the, by the process that took place here. Because he shows up, he defeats sin's presence, okay, he deals with the issue of the power of sin itself and shows it's unable to stop him from doing whatever he desires to do. And then he lays down and gives in, it appears, and allows sin to put him to death. I love the picture uh, in the passion, the final shot there. Of First of all, the tear of God that falls down. As his son is put to death. But then also the cry of Satan as he realizes that what he thought was a declaration of defeat 
was not the defeat of God, but it was the defeat of himself. It was the defeat of sin as Jesus becomes the sacrifice that pays for all our sins. The Savior becomes the sacrifice. You see, and that's, that's what Christmas is about, dealing with these issues and this struggle of sin itself. God made him to be sin who had no sin so that in him we might gain, become the very righteousness of God. So he comes as the one to deal with this presence of sin, this celebration of an invasion. That's what Christmas is all about. Invasion of God. The celebration that takes place on Jesus' birthday. But Jesus was God. I hope we all get this. I find too often we gloss over this reality. Jesus was God himself invading this earth so that he could deal with, as the only one who could, that's why he's called the one and only son, the only one who could deal with the problem of the presence of sin or darkness itself. You see, Jesus created this world. He is the creator. This baby born in a manger is the creator of the entire world. He had done this prior to. And yet he takes on this form of a baby and is born as a human so that he might respond to the darkness of sin and its power in our lives. You see, Jesus never, ever claims to be a good man. He never says, I'm a good man. He claims one clear thing over and over and over again. He claims this, I am God. Now, that puts a whole new picture on what's going on here in relationship to who Jesus is. When he says, I am God, suddenly we go, hold it just a minute, buddy. Are you crazy? See, I could sit here and tell you, I'm a pretty good teacher. And you might say, yeah, I'll go with that. And I could say, I'm a pretty good man. You'd say, okay, I'll go with that. And then I could say, I am God. You see? Suddenly we have a whole new problem among us. And I'm it. And you all know it. Oh, that poor guy. But Jesus says clearly, and then Paul says, and the apostles say, everybody clarifies it. He is the great I am. He's God. He's come in the form of a human to show us about life and truth and meaning and love and to deal with. With the presence of sin. He is the light of the world is how John puts it. He's the light of the world who comes into this dark world and shines it up and declares his ability to deal with the presence of sin itself. And that's incredible miracle of Christmas. The most significant act, actually the second most significant act in history. The most significant act in history was the resurrection. Okay, but the incarnation is the first phenomenal miracle that takes place. And because of that, we divide our entire timeline between A.D., birth of Christ, and B.C. So we recognize this difference here that's taking place in life itself, that when God comes, he changes all of time, and he makes everything completely, totally different. He comes to deal with the presence of sin and to conquer it. 
You see, the presence of sin, as I said earlier, is both pervasive and persuasive. It's all-encompassing. It's everywhere. And it's also incredibly seductive. Have you noticed that about sin? It's very seductive. It always comes dressed in this alluring figure. And you go, wow, that looks so good. It smells so good. I have to have it. And then when you grab it, it changes into this hideous beast. And you say something like this. Why did I do that? Why was I fooled? How did that happen? Because sin of itself is a seductive element in life. And it draws us in because it desires. Its intention is to bring destruction to us. To bring darkness into our life. That's the purpose of sin. Jesus comes as the light of the world. To bring us to the place where we can see what it really is, both sin and God. And we go, oh my goodness, that's what's going on here. And suddenly we see sin in all of its non-glory, in all of its ugliness. And we go, ha, I don't want anything to do with that. And we back away. Now, here's the sad thing about it for us that we struggle with. Is that later on... We find ourselves not in Christ and we look back at that sin and you know what happens? It becomes seductive again. And in the back of our head we're going, I know this is not. I'm full, but it still seems. And we, as Eve would put it, take a bite of the apple. We go, dock on it. But the wonder of grace that God gives us is that even in the midst of that, he brings us back to the light, destroys that element of death, and allows us the wonderful privilege of giving one to another and celebrating Christmas over and over and over again. You see, whether it be consumerism, selfish desires, sexuality, Whatever areas it is, Christmas tries to deal with this thing by pulling us to the place where we begin to give rather than to gain. Where the guys on Christmas Eve go shopping. <laughs> because they forgot to get the things that they know they should have gotten. They say, that's the only reason the mall's open on Christmas Eve. It's for all the guys that go, oh my goodness, and they run down there and they buy anything they can find. Get it under the tree. Whew. Made that made that one work. And, and, and we're drawn to Christmas because it has this element of light about it. God comes in the form of a baby. He chooses a stable to be born in. He shines the light out of the darkness and says, Life is not about consumerism. Life is not about yourself. Life is not about what you can get. Life is about what you can give. And he pushes the darkness away. As he declares that light in the first deception of sin. He deceives sin because sin thought, well, I'm going to push him into a stable and that will take care of the problem. But in reality, God intended that all along. And that was his first step in defeating sin's presence and deceiving that what it is. So, 
we deal with the presence of sin by recognizing for what it is and seeing our need for a Savior to shine the light in the darkness so that we can recognize what it is and push away from it. The only other way you deal with sin is you ignore it. You try to act like it's not there. And you think perhaps it'll go away. Okay, I'm going to give you guys a great insight right now. Are you all listening? It won't go away. It won't go away. You must shine the light, recognize it for what it is, and deal with it by the literal power of God that's found in this baby who came in Christmas. He brings this sinless light to destroy the sinful darkness. You turn on the light, you recognize it for what it is, and then instead of becoming a slave to sin, you push it out of your house, out of your life, and you become a responder to the light and to God himself within you. And that's the first big deal of Christmas. God coming to earth as a light to deal with the darkness of sin's presence. And that's why we have light and dark is the first thing for Christmas, okay? All the lights, everything going on. But it doesn't end there. The second part of the Savior dealing with our sins is a declaration that God would come as a human so he could deal with the power of sin as well. The power of sin. Um, Jesus becomes the man to deal with the power of sin. To defeat the bully of sin. Uh, Egypt is a close friend of mine, you know, and as, as you well, most of you know Egypt, you know, and he's slightly taller than I am and a little bit bigger. So at, you know, 6'3", 6'4", 220, 240, what difference does it make, right? He's just a little bigger than I am. And we would go to Nigeria, and I was never afraid. Because if any bullies came to me, Egypt just stood in front and said, can I help you? And they would instantly respond differently than they might have by responding to me. And that's the picture of Jesus. It's, it's sin coming into our lives. And Jesus steps in the front and says, what can I do for you? And sin's power finds itself backing away and going, as long as he's here, I cannot force this person to do what I want them to do. And that's the power. As we are in Christ, we are able to resist the power of sin. Jesus comes as a baby who can deal with the bullies. See, that's the most amazing thing to me is he's not 6'4", 250. He's a little baby, little teeny baby. And the bully comes in and the baby cries and the bully runs. And we're going, what? Because sin in its bullying state, recognizes the power of God that resides within this little baby and finds himself unable to deal with it. Now, Jesus was a real man. Somebody says, well, we're not even sure Jesus was a real person. I go look at it and go, that is one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. You don't think he was a... Do you think Caesar was a real... Julius Caesar was a real person? Do you think... I'm a real person. You know, we could go on and on and on with all the people and start coming with nonsense. If we look into the Encyclopedia Britannia, talking about the life of Jesus, there's more information there than any other person in history. How can this be from somebody that never actually existed? You see, Jesus lived as a man and lived along here and walked life for some 30-something years and dealt with all the pressures and the struggles and the difficulties of life. He was lonely. He was tired. He was fatigued. He was under pressure. He was disappointed. He was misunderstood. He was criticized. 
The difference is, he showed us in the midst of that that he could deal with the bully of sin while it tried to attack him. And to get him to respond in ways that would defeat the declaration of God's purpose and calling and guidance in our life. Jesus deals with all of it. And if we continue to be this new creation that God has declared us to become, we can deal with it as well. See, the power of sin was in its ability to deceive and then to destroy us, to overwhelm us, to make us yield to him. And I always think of sin as a person, by the way. I do it because it helps me. Ugly person, but person. Try to make me their slave. So you'll see over and over in the New Testament, it says you become a slave to what? Sin. And I go, what? This incredibly powerful power, thing, person, element that can control us. It thinks, it acts, it interacts, it responds. And it's under the influence or influences directly Satan. We're not sure about that whole picture. All of you have probably seen Star Wars. If you haven't, you probably will. Now, what Star Wars tries to do is take on this kind of picture of reality of life. It's talking about the darkness and the light. Speaking to the issue of the force within you and the dark side. What do you about the dark side? It's easy to fall into the dark. It's hard to see the dark side because it's dark. I go, okay. It's kind of fun to work with, though, isn't it? So this force, this thing, well, Jesus is far clearer to us in terms of just a force or an idea that the Holy Spirit is this wondrous, powerful person who can give us direction and hope and understanding of how to deal with life. So Jesus says, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Yeah. Take my yoke upon you. Take my teachings, the understanding of life that I've showed you about what it is, and then you'll find Rest for your soul. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. So sin's a bully that's waiting outside our doors. We get ready to deal with life. He confronts us with our inadequacies. He jumps on us, pounding us about our selfishness and our lies. And he demands from everyone, either you pay me or I will expose you to everyone around you, and they'll know how selfish you are. How many of you are selfish? The rest of you are liars. Okay, so that's just that's the struggle with our life. You see, we have to begin to recognize who we really are. And as we change, it's a wondrous thing, but it doesn't become something that I'm proud of. It's something that I recognize God changing me as a result of the gift He gave through His Son. Jesus removes the power by taking us out of an old position and putting us in a brand new position. And that's this relationship that God offers to each one of us. See, the most amazing thing about Christmas is that Jesus comes down, speaks through a baby about life itself and the issues of life, presents himself as one that supposedly has no power or ability to respond to Satan and to sin, and yet in reality has all power to respond to it but not in the way that we would think it would be. We want thunder and lightning. He responds with softness and clarity and purpose and understanding and insight. 
And that's the picture of Jesus himself here. And then he speaks to us and he says, God wants to have a relationship with you. He desires to be involved in your life. He wants to mentor you concerning how to live life. And that's the reason I came here. To help you understand God's love for you. You see, the greatest tragedy in life is to go through it never understanding the glory of grace and truth. That Jesus came, became flesh, and he was full of grace and truth to show us grace we give one to another that God gives to us, truth that we speak one to another as we get understanding of it. He deals with the presence, the darkness of sin, and the power of sin, which is its ability to expose us as being selfish liars. And he says, I can deal with those issues in your life if you let me. In fact, he says, I was born for this purpose, to bring truth into the world that they might respond to it. Truth about ourselves. Because we often don't understand ourselves a lot of the time. I don't know if you're like that. I know I am. I kind of go, why did I do that? Why did I think I'm confused? Secondly, truth about God. There's a lot of misconceptions about who God is now to respond. Jesus speaks to that issue. And then I think truth about life. A lot of phony philosophies uh, that lead us to dead ends and destruction. But if you begin to build your life on truth, on the foundation of true information... Then you start making good decisions on a regular basis, and you find yourself 20 or 30 years later looking back and going, wow, those are really good decisions I made. But the reason you made them was because you listened to the one who knows what life is really all about, what truth really is, and who is dealing with us in that process of the power of sin, which is trying to defeat you, whether you be 20 years old or 80 years old. He's involved in that process. Jesus dealt with the power and the presence of truth. When we follow truth, life begins to make sense. It begins to make sense. So Jesus said, when you know the truth and you live out the truth, the truth will set you yeah, free. It puts you in this position where you go, well, what do you know? What do you know? That was true. Life, truth, light, grace. That's the Christmas gift that God gives us. Jesus said, I came here to give your life purpose and meaning so you wouldn't be deceived anymore by sin and its power. But instead, you would find an understanding. You'll continue to grow in that perspective or perspicacity. If you like that word better. Eh? Some of you are going, what? I know. But I, I just love that word. And so it's just one of those words you go, you grow in understanding and wisdom and perception. This great thing you have, because we, we can't gain a whole lot more in intellect. What we have in our intellect, we have. We're, that's it. We can grow in knowledge. We can grow in wisdom. But our intellect is done. I'm like, bummer, man. This is all I get? And the Lord says, sorry, Lee, that's it. So God gives us this to deal with the power and the presence of sin. Darkness is here. And it tries to envelop Jesus by sending him to the back, into the stable. Declare him insignificant. But it doesn't work. Because light always dispels darkness. And the power of God always defeats the power of sin. 
love this little clip here. Let's watch it, and then we'll have some closing thoughts today. It's a special song called Mary Did You Know. Mary. And, and he deals with the power and the presence of sin. And then as he grows up, he shows us his ability to deal with those things, and then he finally becomes the sacrifice. He becomes sin who knew no sin, so that we might become the righteousness of God. You see, and that's the final aspect of sin that the Savior deals with. He deals with the penalty of sin, which is death. Ultimately, death. Presently, it's defeat in our lives. It's the struggle of having to work with all the areas in which we have fallen prey to sin. But then it's death itself. And Jesus tells us, I have dealt with the penalty of sin. I died so that you could have eternal life. That all who respond to me, I will give the gift of eternal life. That all who believe that I died for their sin, that I overcame that penalty, I will provide for them eternal life. Life now and life forever with the Father as His son or His daughter. And that's the cry of God. See, it's the admittance of our sin, recognizing who we are and the reality of sin that is so pervasive and seductive that we have fallen to it. And it's a recognition that because of that sin, I desperately need a Savior and that Jesus is the one only Son who came to provide that for me, to save me from my sins. And then Jesus speaks to us and he says, this is all I ask of you. I ask you to confess me as Lord and Savior. I ask you to confess to the cosmic reality around you with your voices speaking clearly that I am God and that I died for your sins and that you ask me simply for forgiveness. And then I will give you the ability not just to be forgiven, but to forgive others. And I will provide you with the ability to overcome and experience faith and hope and joy and love in your life to declare the reality of what I've done and who I am. That is the cry of Christmas. The ABCs. Admitting our sin, believing that Jesus is the one and only Son of God, and then confessing and committing to Him as Savior and Lord. And I would share with all of us today one of two things. One, if you haven't made that verbal confession to make it this day, to declare before God, Jesus is your Savior and Lord, and He will hear you and He will respond. And if you have made that confession, then share it with somebody else so that Christmas might be a time where other people can receive the gift, the gift of God, the Savior who came to deal with our sins. Stand with me. 
Father, today we come before you as children who have been easily defeated by sin's power. We have been seduced by sin. And we ask that you would help us to shine light on it and let us see what it really is and then to cleanse us from its penalty and power in our life. Lord, today we ask for that. And Lord, I would pray that this Christmas you might give each one of us here the ability to give gifts without any quid pro quo. (laughs) Without any, what did you get me? But just to give as representatives of you to others that we love and perhaps to many others that we don't even know to say you are real and you are working in me to defeat sin's power. Today, Lord, we pray that you might allow that to happen in each one here. And Father, if there's any here who don't know that they are your son or your daughter that haven't made that commitment and that confession, let them declare it today. Let them simply say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you died for my sins. And I ask you to forgive me. And I ask you to come into my life. And I declare you as Lord. I declare you as Lord. Change me. Transform me this day. Begin the process. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you all. Have a great day. Spread that Christmas cheer around. Hand out those cards. Invite them to Christmas Eve. Do what you're called to do.